tell me, how many of you have ever used, let me try that again. How many of you have ever heard of Cliff Notes before? Raise your hand, all right. We don't have any teachers here, we're not, you're not tattling on, we're not saying that you've used them before, but you've seen Cliff Notes before. I first learned about Cliff Notes when I was in high school. Here's the problem with Cliff Notes. Teachers know about Cliff Notes as well, right? And so what's the purpose of having Cliff Notes? What is it? It's to shorten things, to kind of get to the, cut to the chase and say, here's, here's what's going on. So if I'm going to get the cliff notes um, and I'm reading The Great Gatsby, I'm reading Wuthering Heights, then I can take from a 30 pages from one chapter and the cliff notes will water it down to one page, two pages, three at the most, and will give you the summary, give you the gist of what's going, going on. Um, Keith Frost, who's on staff here, he's famous for, for telling me often, Blake, I want to know what you mean when, when the Bible says this, but give me the Cliff Notes version. What does he mean? He means I don't want a 30-minute sermon. Give me in two minutes what this means, this passage means. So we'll just take all of this and boil it down. What's the most important part of what um, we're studying today? So if you were to ask me, Blake, what is the Cliff Notes of the book of John? All right, we have been in the book of John for six months now, and you haven't even gotten to chapter 5. What's taking you so long? Blake, what would be the mission? What would be the purpose statement? What is, the, if you boil all the book of John down, what is it about? I would tell you that the purpose statement is found at the end of the book in John chapter 20, all the way in verse 31. This verse actually happens to be our Vacation Bible School theme verse for the week. So it's kind of cool that we've been going through the book of John, and then our kids this week will be studying um, different journeys with Jesus. But the theme verse throughout the whole week that they're going to be memorizing is John chapter 20, verse 31. And here's what the verse says. John says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing that you may have life in his name. So, so John says, okay, readers, you want me to boil it down for you? Let me tell you with all the, the, the reasons, the main purpose, why I have written this message. Here's what it is. I've written these things down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That he is the son of God. And guys, once you believe that Jesus is the Christ, once you believe in him, then you will inherit, then you will receive eternal life. So this morning, I want us to take that one verse, and I want us to answer to me what I think is the most important question that you will ever answer for your entire life. And that is this, what is it that we are to believe about Jesus? See, there are a lot of people in America today that believe things about Jesus. They believe that he was a good man. They believe that he was a teacher. Some even believe that he performed miracles. But what is it that a person, not what Baptists say, not what Blake believes, but what does the word of God say? These, this is what you must believe about Jesus in order to become a child, a son, a daughter of God. So we're going to look at four things. If you have um, the back of your worship guide, I want you to write these things down. I hope this will help you as you continue to have conversations with your neighbors, with your friends, even with your children. When they say, oh, I'm a Christian because I believe in Jesus. What is it that you believe in Jesus? 
Four things I'm going to tell you this morning, and then we're going to, to, to wrap up to get ready for Vacation Bible School this week. The first thing that we must believe about Jesus is that he is the Christ. Very simply, we believe that Jesus is the Christ. We see that at the beginning uh, of the verse that we just read. But these are written so that you may believe that what? Jesus is the Christ. It's right there in the scripture. Now, I'll be honest with you, for a long time, I used to think that Christ was Jesus' last name. Any of you else, would you agree with that? Oh, that's just Jesus' last name. No, Jesus Christ is not his last name. In fact, I want you to think about, can you name um, three people that are so famous today that by just saying their first name, you automatically know who you're talking about. In fact, take, take 30 seconds with your neighbor. See if you can name three people that you can say their first name and you don't even name their last name and you know who you're talking about. All right, did you come up with some? Faye, who'd you come up with? Did you come up with one? Joan, no one knows who Joan is. All the people, and you said, who you got, Connor? Walt Disney. Good, all right, good. Catherine? Who? Nobody. All right, let's come up. Chris, give me one. You don't, can't look to your friends. You name one person. Who? Garth? Garth Lindsay? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nicely done. All right. Tiger, I finally heard one. Tiger, what about, I came up with um, Elvis, Oprah, Prince. Some other names we don't want to say, LeBron, uh, Madonna, all right, Beyonce, these names, again, names I never thought I would say in church before, all right? <laughs> but understand that Jesus was a very common name. A lot of times we think, oh, well, that's a special name that only Jesus had. No, during Jesus' time, lots of people had the name of Jesus. In fact, did you know that the name Jesus is actually the Greek way of saying Joshua in Hebrew? Do you know that those names mean the same thing? And the name Jesus actually means um, the Lord saves. Isn't that incredible? And you think about Joshua and what his battle was in the Old Testament, that he was a foreshadowing of Jesus. But the name Jesus actually means the Lord saves. But what does Christ mean? Christ was a title. Kind of like if you're saying that, 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 that he was the president or king or boss. Christ is a title. The title actually means Messiah or anointed one. So in this verse, when John tells us that Jesus is the Christ, he's saying that, that I'm believing that Jesus, the person, the name of Jesus, that he is the Messiah, that he is the anointed one that all the Old Testament has been prophesying about, the one that we have been longing for. That's who we believe that Jesus is. First thing is that we believe that he's the Christ. Second thing we believe about Jesus is that he is the only way for salvation. He's the only way for salvation. Now, this is one that, um, as we continue to go down this road, and in 2019, people think, oh, that's so old school. That's so old-fashioned. Surely there are multiple ways to get to heaven. Surely God's not going to be so exclusive that the only way you can get to heaven is by believing in Jesus. Well, friends, it's not about what we believe. It's not about what we care it to, want it to be. Jesus could not have been more clear about this when he says this in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. What do these next two words say out loud with me? 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Now understand the way that we can come to the Father. First, it's not by good works. I've used this illustration before, but you know, a lot of people think that at the end of their life, that there's going to be a, a scale and that you are stand before God in heaven and he's going to weigh your, your good deeds versus your bad deeds. And if you have more good deeds and you had a better life than, than the things you did bad, then surely God will say, well, come on in because you've been a what? A good person. The question is, well, what's a good person? Who sets the standard on what the scale is supposed to be? If it's a mass murderer that's in, in jail, you think, hey, I'm pretty good. If it's Billy Graham, we're all in trouble, right? So, and, and who wants to serve a God that we are going to try our best and then just hope, I'm going to cross my fingers, and I hope that God will let me in. Is that the God that we serve that would just leave that up for chance, that would just leave that up for debate, that we hope that our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds? No, that's not the way God works. We do not become a child of God by our good works. We also don't become a child of God based on our family background. It doesn't matter where you were born, doesn't matter who your parents were, doesn't matter who your grandparents are. It's not by your family background that we gain the right to become a child of God. In John chapter 3, the most famous verse in the Bible is John chapter 3, verse 16. I want to read verses 16 through 18. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, listen to this next phrase, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Here's the phrase again. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. This was important, and you would think, oh, of course that Jesus would provide salvation for whoever believes in him. But understand that for the Jewish believers, that the Jews, they had been believing, they had been expecting that when the Messiah finally came, that salvation would only be for what group of people? The Jews. So they didn't understand how that Jesus, when he came and he was a Jewish person, how salvation could expand to other people. Not only did Jesus come for the Jews, he also came for the Gentiles. That's just a fancy word for anyone that's not a Jew. Remember the story we studied a couple weeks ago of the Samaritan woman. One chapter back in, in John chapter 4, Jesus has this conversation with the Samaritan woman. And the disciples who were Jewish, they couldn't understand how Jesus not only would have a conversation with this person because she was a woman, not only that she was um, involved in things that she shouldn't have been in her past, but the fact that she wasn't Jewish, the fact that she was a Samaritan, they couldn't comprehend how can Jesus even have a conversation with this girl. And then there are the Pharisees, and they thought they were better than everyone else. Surely we're doing everything right. We've done everything to the letter of the law that God's going to love us, and salvation is only going to come through us. Salvation doesn't come based on your family background. It doesn't matter who you are or where you were born also. Salvation doesn't come based on being a part of the right church. Doesn't matter what denomination you're a part of. Doesn't matter where you go to church. God's not going to look at your Sunday school record. He's not going to look and say, man, let's leave the attendance and I'm not going to let you into heaven. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. 
It is the gift of God. Listen to this next phrase. Not a result of works. Why? So that no one should boast. See, friends, when you stand before God at judgment, you're not going to be able to say, well, I was a member of First Baptist. Brother Billy was my pastor a long time ago. A good man, but he's not going to let you into heaven. It's not going to be based on, uh, well, I, I had a Bible. Well, my granddad was a pastor. My dad was a deacon. Well, I, I know the right answers. That's not going to be enough for God to say, yes, you are a child. You can enter into heaven. The only way, the only way that any one of us will be able to share in the joy of salvation and to be in heaven with Jesus is by God's grace alone. It's not based on our works. It's not based on who we, who we were born to. It's not based on what church we attended. You can't name a price. You can't pay enough. You can't do enough good works for this scale to finally say, oh, well, there's no way God could deny me access into heaven. Let me share this with you. You will never, I will never deserve to be called a child of God. Let that soak in for a minute. A lot of times we think, oh, because of what we do, I have earned it. I deserve, God should love me based on what I have done. That's just not true. It is only because of God's goodness. It is only because of the grace that God gives us. It is out of his goodness that we become a child of God, not based out of our goodness or our good deeds third thing I want you to know that's important if we are to believe in Jesus is that we believe that he died a death that he did not deserve. He died a death that he did not deserve. 1 John 4.10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Why did he send Jesus to be an atoning sacrifice? One reason was to pay for our sins. Understand, we cannot pay for our sins except for one way. The only way we can pay for our sins is with our life. There's nothing that God needs from us. You ever thought about that? How silly is it that we think, oh, well, I'm going to give back to God. God doesn't need anything from us. Do you have a friend, maybe a family member, who has everything you know what I'm talking about? They have so much, so many gadgets, they have so many toys, they have so many articles of clothing, and it's Christmas, it's their birthday, and you think, I have no idea what I'm going to, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, maybe y'all don't know have those friends. I do. And, and, and you get to that point, you think, I don't know what I'm going to give them. What do you give the creator of the universe? Not only does God um, create everything, he owns everything. How silly that we think that God's sitting up in heaven saying, I really need them to do this for me. I really need something from them. No, the, the grace of God is that he doesn't need us, but he welcomes us into his family. So what was Jesus's motivation to die on the cross? Listen to me on this one. This one's a little bit tricky. The first reason that Jesus died on the cross was obedience to God. Ephesians 5, 2 says, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, and listen to this next phrase, and sacrifice to God. It's hard for us to understand this sometimes, but listen, 
Jesus' death on the cross was God's idea. It wasn't some mean men that got mad at Jesus and they orchestrated this plan and the Romans are the one who put Jesus on the cross. This was God's plan from the very beginning. Isaiah prophesied about this all the way back 700 years before Jesus was born. Sometimes I think we think, oh, this was plan B. Everyone messed up and God was caught off guard and then, and then all of a sudden Jesus is on the cross and God's up there wringing his hands. And I didn't think this was going to happen. I didn't see this coming. No, this was God's plan to crucify his one and only son so that you and I might have this relationship with him. And the main reason that Jesus went to the cross, yes, he loves us, but the main reason he went to the cross was obedience to his father. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus' ultimate desire was to fulfill his Father's work. Jesus came with one purpose, and that purpose was to die. It was to be an atoning sacrifice. That atonement's a fancy word. All it means is to bring us back to God. He died so that we could be brought back in to this relationship with God. The other reason that Jesus um, died a death he didn't deserve was to absorb God's wrath. If you were here on Good Friday, I, 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 listen, I, I preached on this one verse, on Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Church family, God cannot stand to be in the presence of sin. God hates sin, and sin has to be punished. But church, until we fully understand the seriousness of our sin, until we understand the true effect of our sin, I'm not sure we will ever fully appreciate, we'll fully understand the amazing grace that God would send his son Jesus to die for a wretch like me. That is what amazing grace is. Friends, listen to me. Jesus' death, it removed God's wrath by providing a substitute. The substitute Jesus, he didn't just cancel your sin. He didn't just take a whiteboard and take your sins and say, oh, now your sins are erased. No, he absorbed your wrath that was supposed to be mine, supposed to be yours, and it was diverted. And now instead of God's wrath going to you and me, it went to who? It went to Jesus. Here's the best way I know to illustrate it. If I have this water right here, and I pour some water on this table, and I'm going to take a paper towel. When I take this paper towel, and I put it on top of the the water, it removes it, but it didn't just magically disappear. No, the paper towel absorbed the water. This is what Jesus did. He took the punishment that we deserve and didn't just say, oh, it's wiped clean, now you're free. He took the wrath that we deserve so that we might become a child of God. The last reason that we know that Jesus died a death that we didn't deserve was because of his love for us. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still Sinners, Christ died for us. If you want to know your worth to God, 
Don't look at your circumstances. Look at the cross. Look at the cross and understand that the fact that Jesus died for you, not because of your goodness, not because of your good deeds, not because you brought money and put it in the offering plate, but Jesus died for you while you were still in sin, while you were an enemy of God. If that doesn't blow you away, then I'm afraid we don't fully understand the seriousness of our sin. That God sent Jesus to die a death that he didn't deserve because of his love for us. And finally, quickly, and we'll wrap up. The fourth thing you need to know about Jesus is that he offers eternal life to all who repent of their sin and call out to him. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Friends, the best news that I can share with you today, it's this. Salvation is available to all. Salvation is available for every single person today. You don't have to earn it. In fact, you never can earn it. You don't have to clean up your act and say, oh, well, then I'll come to God. You never can clean yourself up enough. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what your religion is, what it was. All that matters is that you are going to come to God with a clean heart. And how do you give your life to Jesus? Here it is. Three things, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to be wrapped up. How do you give your life to Jesus? The first thing is you admit that you're a sinner. You acknowledge, hey, I know that I'm a sinner. And you admit, you acknowledge that your sin has earned a separation from God. Because of your sin, you are no longer one with Christ. You are no longer one with God, and it has earned me complete and eternal separation from God. Once you've admitted your sin, the second thing is you acknowledge that God sent Jesus to die in your place. It's not based on what I do, but it's based on what Jesus has done for me. And finally, you repent of your sin, and you commit to following Jesus above everything else. Now hear me, it begins with the decision. I'm admitting my sin. I'm acknowledging that Jesus is God's son. I'm repenting of my sin, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop like when I was in third grade at vacation Bible school and I walked the aisle and then I thought magically everything changed, but it, was, it wasn't until I was older that I fully understood that it's a daily commitment, that I'm daily denying myself. I'm putting my old self to, to, to the side to say, I want to live for Jesus all of my life. This week is Vacation Bible School, and the focus is going to be on sharing Jesus with kids. My purpose today was to make sure their moms and dads knew what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. You've heard me say over and over again, my biggest fear in being a pastor of a church this size are men and women who come in, sit in these seats week in and week out, and think, oh, I'm going to heaven when I die. I believe in Jesus. But they've never fully surrendered their life to Jesus. It's not about where you attend church. Have you repented of your sins and asked Jesus, I want to honor you every single day of my life. You're going to fail. But you know what? That's what grace is for. But is your heart bent towards wanting to honor and cherish and put him above everything else in your life.
Would you pray with me? Dearly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, I thank you for his willing obedience to you. Lord, when he came to this earth, he knew his purpose. And even though we know that in his human nature there had to be some, some, some res- resistance of knowing what was coming up, but Lord, at the garden, he said, not my will, but yours be done. And God, right now, I pray that if there is someone in this room, particularly if there is an adult in this room that has never fully placed their hope and their trust in Jesus Christ, that today they would call out to you. They would admit their sin. They would admit that they've been trying to earn your love, to earn your approval, but they fall short every single time. And instead of trying to earn it, they will simply receive the free gift of salvation that you have given through Jesus. Lord, I pray that we don't leave in the next few moments without responding to your Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to someone's heart, I pray for their obedience. I pray that you would do a work in our lives and that we would follow you each and every step of the way. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.